and welcome to Game & Watch with Aaron and James, the show where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we have been watching. I am Aaron. And I'm James. And today we're talking about Metroid Dread, the newest installment in the long-running series um, that came out in October 2021 for the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, it's been a long time since it, the gap between the Metroid Fusion and this, it's, it's pretty huge. I mean, granted, there were stuff, there were things that came out in the in the interim, but this is a direct sequel, right? This to Metroid Fusion. I can't believe it I'm is. asking that question. Is yeah. it well, reminded? We'll, we'll get into it because it's very meandering and confusing. Um, so let's jump into the development. Yeah. This was conceived of in 2005 after the Game Boy Advance successes of Metroid Fusion, which came out in 2002, and Metroid Zero Mission, which came out in 2005. Um, both, Zero great Mission, games. both great games. Um, Zero Mission specifically is uh, kind of a reimagining of Metroid 1, um, and Fusion is a direct continuation of the Metroid story. And I don't just say this as like a because it's you know the original metroid is like outdated which it is you know it's hard to go it back is. and play that game I, it's been a long time since i played the original metroid but metroid zero mission is not just a graphical upgrade like they add some really nice stuff and i would say definitely a recommendation to play both those games yeah and that's why i said reimagining um i played the original met well we'll get into the history a little bit later but yeah, yeah i i rammed my head against the original metroid as a kid and then later found Zero Mission, um, you know, close to when it was published, like probably when I was in junior high. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely think it's it's a re- it's an entire reimagining and it just yeah. works way better than the original. Yep. Um, so as I said, uh, this was conceived of in 2005. So that's quite a long time ago, about what, 17 years, if my terrible math is somewhat close. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, a little yeah. less, yeah. And so the the brainchild of this um, was series producer Yoshio Sakamoto, um, who is kind of, as I said, the brainchild behind all of Metroid minus the the Prime series. And something that I asked myself when considering this game is, um, was it always their intention to keep mainline Metroid games portable? Again, we're not talking about the Prime series. That's kind of its own spinoff. But if we're talking about just the mainline Metroid series, really the only one that hasn't been handheld is super metroid the snes game which is kind of interesting i wait the only one that hasn't been handheld correct i don't consider other m like part of the main series well what about the prime games i don't consider them part of they're they're specifically a spinoff that take place in an alternate universe so i don't know they're not the prime games are part of the the metroid series I will have to look into that again, but I was almost positive Nintendo clarified saying that they're not canon, that they are, they take place in their own universe. No, I, I, well, I mean, I guess it's been a while since I've looked into this, but what I, from what I recall, Metroid Prime just was not a sequel to Super Metroid. It was a, it was a prequel to the original Metroid, I believe. Like the, the, so the, for the chronology, from what I recall, is well, actually, no. Okay, so I don't want to like, I, I, should, I should just look this up to clarify it, but like, I think it's Metroid 1, then Prime 1, 2, and 3, then Metroid 2, and then the rest Super Metroid, Metroid Fusion, Metroid Dread, and Other M is somewhere in the end of that. And then there's Metroid Prime Hunters at some point. But yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm almost positive that there's a specific ordering to it and the prime games are early in the timeline. 
Okay, I, I believe you. I just, I don't know what I'm remembering, but I kind of thought that they weren't canon. Either way, um, they are kind of their own side things. I just think it's interesting that in the 2D Metroidvania line of Metroid games, they're basically all handheld. Yeah, they are. And, and my answer to your question, though, in general is, I don't think Nintendo actually knows what the fuck they're doing like i don't think they had a plan like and i'm and i say this as a lover of nintendo they 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 know a lot and they plan a lot in advance i don't think they had a strategy here i think it just happened to be the case they were just like you know what we haven't done in a while metroid oh yeah. what, well what's our current platform oh well it's a switch <laughs> i don't know you know what i mean like i, I don't think that they yeah, I, yeah. I think, yeah, I don't think so either. And I think in general, playing this game reminds me that Samus kind of all of Nintendo's characters, they don't really know what to do with her or with the series. Yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, and so uh, the development is like, well, why is this a, what, what's weird to me is that this is a direct sequel to Metroid Fusion yep. to the point where you kind of needed to have played Metroid Fusion to fully understand what's going on in this game, which seems very strange to me because yeah. that game is about 20 years old. And so I was asking myself, like, who is, who is this series for? Great like, question. Who, who is this following? And I think I know the answer what is the answer i think the i think that if we're thinking about like who is the intended audience for this game and like the mainline 2d metroid series i would argue that the the target audience is yoshio sakamoto like, <laughs> i think it's him i think he's the only one who like really cares about the like quote-unquote plot of this series because like if you put a gun to the average like video gamers head um and didn't talk about the characters didn't talk about the creatures the left like the planets yeah what is the plot of metroid like what's the plot i don't think anyone cares i really yeah. like i mean there's some fan fiction i mean people clearly care because they're writing fan fiction about it but i i think overall it's one of those things like if, if to me if someone told me they're really invested in the overarching story of metroid i would be equally as shocked as if someone said i'm very interested in the overarching story of mario you know what yeah, i mean well yeah but I mean, Metroid, the trappings of Metroid takes itself more seriously than other franchises. Yeah, yeah. To, to the point where like I, I kind of I texted you this week, but I think Metroid is almost like the Kingdom Hearts series of Nintendo. It's this meandering series that the plot is kind of incomprehensible. Um, ideas are constantly being reused and um there's just a confusing bouncing around between consoles and what story goes where and what you need to pay attention to and what you don't like it's it's very scattershot for a series that still gets a good amount of representation right. specifically in like smash brothers where everyone loves samus she has multiple different forms it's just very strange to me um i think that and this is harsh on nintendo but i just don't get the feeling that they have consistently given their all to the Metroid series for some time. It's like they think that they can get by on mechanics without having to put that much effort into story. I don't think they really try that hard with story. And I think that that kind of lends itself to like, who can you describe the plot of a Metroid game off the top of your head? And the answer is really who needs to, you know, sure. like, like I play these games mostly for gameplay, but I, and I'll get into this when we talk about history with the, with just the series in general, um, but I think that Metroid is, it's a, it's a mood. 
bet more than it is a plot. Like it's it's I, yeah. I don't play Metroid games for the plot. I play them not just for the because I think Metroidvania is a great genre in general. Um, and I don't mind that name for the genre, so I'm just gonna keep using it. I hope it doesn't drive you crazy. No, um, no. But I there's there's a kind of atmosphere and mood that Metroid games have. Well, some of them. I'll get into that too. That that's why I play it, and that's kind of what I crave. And I just don't think Nintendo knows what to do with Metroid and hasn't for some time. Now, Metroid Prime 4 is hopefully coming out at some point. And I think that is when we will get a really good glimpse into how much does Nintendo care about the story of this series. Because the Metroid Prime series is pretty beloved, I think, unless I'm just living in a Prime bubble. But I just got the feeling that this game, they prioritized mechanics far over plot. I I get, and this might be a, this is a criticism that I'll elaborate more on later, but I just felt like they could not have given less of a shit about what this game was about. And I think that it shows, I think the plot is kind of stupid. Um, yeah, we'll we'll get into the plot. Um, let's kind of wrap up development stuff. Yeah, um, because we yeah we both have quite a bit to say about the plot. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So this was conceived of in two thousand five. Uh, I believe it was announced um like two thousand five two thousand six, um yeah. with not a lot of details. Um, there was no news uh until two thousand seven. So people yeah kind of assumed that it got canceled. Yeah. There was an oblique reference in Metroid Prime Three uh to the word dread. That people took to, you know, uh, connect with this game. Yep. However, really nothing moved on it for years, really. Um, when Nintendo decided to, again, do a reimagining slash reboot of Metroid 2, they looked to Spanish developer Mer- Mercury Steam. Um, that game was very highly praised. People liked that game quite I a bit. I never finished it. Um, I never actually even played it. I just kind of watched reviews of it. I don't mm-hmm. really have any experience with Metroid 2, so I wasn't, you know. Okay keen to jump into it but i did hear that it was quite good um since then that proved to nintendo that mercury steam could handle doing um you know a more upscaled intensive metroid game and so they were picked to handle the development of metroid dread with a uh, longtime series producer uh make sure i get his name correct uh, yoshio sakamoto at the helm yeah so we got um, a lot of news about this game at E3 to 2021, and this game was paired with um, some Amiibo as well mm. as the release of the Switch OLED, yeah. which you caved and bought. I sure did. And I, and I mean, it was enjoyable playing this handheld. I, I played a little bit on the TV, but I played most of this game handheld. I did the opposite. I played mostly on the television and only a little bit handheld. Okay. The reception of this game was mostly positive. It got a lot of eights and nines. Uh, the Emmy counters, I'm sorry, the Emmy encounters were praised, um, but some thought that the stealth sections went on for too long. Most people just said it's great that Metroid's back and not a ton else. Yeah, you know, when this was announced at E3, my reaction was like, okay. <laughs> like, did okay, I guess we're getting another Metroid game. And I think that speaks volumes about how I am now kind of relating to the Metroid series. I mean, this and, is a, yeah. Well, sorry to interrupt, but I think it's Nintendo, okay. we we know from, you know, uh, reviewing enough Mario games and, um, you know, learning about 
God, what's his name? Founder of Nintendo. Uh, Miyamoto. Not, not, not founder, but yeah. Miyamoto. Miyamoto, yeah. Miyamoto who's <laughs> kind of the grand architect. And I know at this point, he greatly values gameplay over kind of everything else. And so with, say, a Mario game or a lot of other Nintendo games, you get, when they do their first look, a lot of the kind of gameplay uh, quirks that are going to be very exciting for this title. For Metroid Dread, really all of the press leading up to it just talked about the Emmys yeah, and talked about the stealth. Uh, but neither of those are really new or novel. The no. Emmys make this game interesting, but there's nothing about them fundamentally that make them a different gameplay mechanic than and even Metroid Fusion, which used right. kind well, of a similar mechanic. There is some running, yeah, there's some running away in Metroid Fusion, right? And and yeah. and the it, but they're acting like this is new to the Metroid series, and that's enough. And they're wrong on that too, like you said. So so it's like, what the what the fuck are you doing, Nintendo? I just don't think they marketed this game well, but that's not the only problem with it. Um so since this is the first Metroid game we've done, I believe this is the fir- first Metroidvania style game we've done. And also because this is a recent game. And so we both played it recently because it came out last year. I want to spend the time in like this kind of personal history to talk about a personal history with the, with, with the genre and the series in general. And the genre, I'll spend a little bit less time on myself because um, I'm sure we'll do other games like this. Um, but I, I would say that I love the Metroidvania genre in general. I think that I have learned um, over the last 25 plus years of my life that I prefer when, when the, when the, the Vania, <laughs> when, when Castlevania is singing, it, it, it sings better than Metroid. And I, I and I'm absolutely agreed. Mainly referring to 2d. Um, I'll get into the 3d stuff in a second. Um, like Castlevania Symphony of the Night, I think is better than all the Metroid games, um, all the 2D Metroid games, in my opinion. Um, but the genre is one I've really liked. And again, the genre is kind of characterized. And I, I, haven't, I didn't look up a definition before this. So I'm going to try to do this, hopefully in a way that doesn't sound like messy. But there is a there's a progression. There's progression halts every once in a while where you have to. There's an exploration in, in picking up new items that allow you to progress to further areas. Now that's not new to gaming and it's not unique to this genre, but this genre was kind of like a, you have this like central location that you're trying to explore. That's kind of split up into multiple different areas. And, you know, in Castlevania, you have Dracula's castle. Each area has a little different theme. Metroid is usually you're on some planet. There's like a lava area. There's a jungle area. There's a water area, things like that. And very often, like you will be passing by very natural parts of the environment. Like in Metroid, you might jump like early in the Metroid game, you might jump over like a pool of water and think nothing of it. But you realize that like, oh, I can go down there. But then you can't do anything when you're down there because you can't swim or you can't jump underwater. And then you just have to wait until you find a weapon that lets you come back and do that. And a lot of the times you need to rely completely on your memory of like, oh, there was this location I was at that one time where. I couldn't overcome this one obstacle. Maybe I should come back there when I have more items and see if any of them can be used to create a new path. And I think that that's a really, really awesome way of laying out a game. Um, And there are certainly newer games like Hollow Knight is probably the best example I can think of um, that, that do that same thing very well. When it comes to Metroid generally, the first Metroid game I ever played was Metroid two for the game boy. Um, and then I played Metroid, the original Metroid soon after that, I thought Metroid two was very cool. It was, 
I mean, Metroid 2 is not always hailed as a great Metroid game, and but it mainly just when you're on this planet, then you're just trying to just exterminate all the Metroids, um, which is really interesting because um, it's kind of none of the other games are really like that. Like there's there's Metroids that you run into and there's like the mother brain, the first one. But this is like you're specifically on that planet to commit genocide on all the Metroids. <laughs> um it was, you know, remade later at uh, the return of Samus for the 3DS. I actually was not thrilled about that. And when that, that game came out, it just didn't do it for me. And so this game kind of had vibes like that, which is why I would think I was a little bit apprehensive about Metroid Dread. Like, well, I didn't really like the way they did Met- 2D Metroid last time. So I don't know. But anyway, so I looked it up uh, just a second ago. The, the Metroid story does, it starts with the original Metroid slash Zero Mission, then Metroid Prime, Prime Hunters, Prime 2 Echoes, Prime 3 Corruption, Prime Federation Force, which I haven't played, Metroid 2, Super Metroid, Metroid Other M, Metroid Fusion, Metroid Dread. So that's the timeline. Okay. Um, where I fell in love with this series, I mean, I, I loved Super Metroid, and I love it more and more when I go back and I play it. But where I really fell in love with this series was prime one i think prime one and i'd like to do it for the podcast at some point i think prime one is one of my favorite games of all time top two or three if not there's oftentimes i will call it my number one um and my opinion is my 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 like hotter take of this episode is that metroid should not be in 2d anymore because I think that when they did, and I'm, I'm giving, this is like the credit goes to Retro Studios, maybe. I don't know exactly how the development of the game works, um, but I, I'm sure Nintendo had some influence. But I just, Metroid Prime 1 and 2, I think, are so fucking good that and, and, and it's they, they are much better. There's an atmosphere, there's a mood that Metroid has that I think just, it's not working in 2D anymore. And I just don't think they can replicate the magic that was Super Metroid. Because Super Metroid fucking nailed that. That's why the, the, the translation, like, similarly to Link to the Past to Ocarina of Time, Super Metroid to Metroid Prime was a, a massive, massive, it was mind-blowing. Um, and they, they absolutely fucking nailed it. And I just, there's, there's this kind of like immersion that Prime, the Prime series gives me, mainly Metroid Prime 1 and 2, that I just don't think the, 3, the 2D ones can ever give me ever again. And I think, I think they should stop making 2D Metroid games. Um, so that's kind of like my, my history. Like the Prime games, I played through all of them. Three is okay. I mean, it's actually pretty good. Um, then, you know, I played Prime and or, or, um, um, uh, Fusion and Zero Mission and such. And then when this one came out, you know, I played it when, right when it came out. I felt more like out of obligation because I would call myself a fan of this series. And I was just disappointed by it. I don't blame you. I also love the Metroidvania genre. Um, I think it can work in 3D. I think I, I played the Metroid Prime first game. I rented it from GameCube and tried it for maybe twice, uh, two rentals or so. Um, however, the time around when Metroid Prime 1 came out was the time around when Final Fantasy X came out. Is that correct? Based on your memory? Yes. Um, it's, it's around that era. Yeah, pr- Prime and- Prime 1 was... Tw- 2002 Final Fantasy X, I think was 2001 or something like that. Yeah, it was around that era where I played Final Fantasy 7, 8, 9, played 10, and then decided I needed to play every JRPG that existed in the world. 
Um, and so that's what I was doing with a lot of my time at that period. Yeah. So I let Metroid Prime pass me by. Uh, unfortunately, I'm waiting for a Switch remaster uh, to jump. I hope to those. God we get it. But I think you're right that Metroid can work in 3D because um, the Prime games uh, prove it. I trust your judgment as well as many others. Um, and if you look at something like the Dark Souls series, that essentially is a Metroidvania in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. Um, executed in 3D. Um, I do love the genre, though. I, I I won't say I love the Metroid series, but I have followed it and I find it uh, interesting and good at various yeah. turns. So grew up with regular Nintendo, had a bunch of games, uh, you know, the old Mega Man games, Mario, Ice Hockey, Jaws, all those good things. <laughs> um, also had Metroid 1, which as a kid, you know, you play games as, you know, a five, six year old kid, like Zelda 1, you know, you just tool around, you don't know what you're doing, you're just having fun. And I would do that with Metroid, but I never came back to Metroid the way I did with the original Legend of Zelda, just because I think it was a bit too difficult and too dense. Mm -hmm. I jumped back in with the series probably around, yeah, it was around Zero Mission. Um, I played Zero Mission for Game Boy Advance. I played as well. I love Metroidvanias on the GBA. I played a lot of the uh, Castlevania Metroidvanias and was excited for Fusion um, as well. And I loved Fusion. So I even bought Fusion as well when they did a re-release on the Wii U. Um, and I played through it again on the Wii U, both on the big screen as well as on the little Wii U gamepad. So I, I think there are games in this series that warrant attention. Oh, also, I did go back and play Super Metroid in college. I don't think my memories of that game are as fond as yours simply because, you know, I played it, you know, when I was 19, 20 instead of when I was much younger. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't one of my first Metroid games. I was kind of going back and cleaning up the series. But I think when they are working like Metroid Fusion, Metroid Zero Mission, these are really, really great, fun Metroidvanias. I also think that that genre is particularly 2D. Um, one of the reasons we talked about a handheld earlier, I think the Met 2D Metroidvania just intrinsically works so well on a handheld. Yeah. Um, because Metroidvanias, when they're not super polished, one of the feelings that feels really good with that genre is kind of smoothly transitioning between areas, collecting the items you need. Everything's kind of clicking into place. Um, however, these games uh, and this genre does frequently have areas and times where you will just stall. Um, there are also additionally, this genre in general is really difficult to make a walkthrough for. Yeah. Um, again, because you're discovering little secrets and little things and, you know, performing or executing on the game a little bit non-linearly. It can be really difficult to unstick yourself when you get stuck. Yeah. Um, however, two things. One, I feel like for whatever reason, it's more fun to unstick yourself in Castlevania. And I think maybe that's for a variety of reasons, including the fact that the areas are much more unique and distinct in that. I agree uh, with you. That series. That. The other thing, too, is I think combat is fundamentally more fun in Castlevania games. I think combat in Metroid is serviceable, but I never like have a blast doing it. I think up close combat with um, weapons, swords, scythes, whips, things like that is more engaging than shooting things from far away and getting damaged from far away, which I think in general is not great. Yeah. So yeah, that's my history with Metroid, with Metroidvanias. Again, I have a real soft spot for Metroidvanias. I think Metroid could work again in 2D, but I think they would fundamentally have to change up the formula. I'm kind of sick at being stuck on planets and star bases with discrete jungle yeah. areas. Um, <laughs> I want something completely blown out of the water. Let's have the next 2D Metroid game, like 
what if Samus gets a weird brain virus and half the levels are like <laughs> in her head? I'm not even kidding. No, right? no, like, no. I'm not I, kidding. I agree but with if, you. What if like yeah. what if like a Metroid attaches to her brain and half the levels are like these very surrealist um, yeah. spaces in her like subconscious? You know, like I think for the series to thrive going forward, especially in 2D, like they just have to they they really have to do some new crazy bold things. I would really be excited to hear about what you think of at least Prime One. Um, there are criticisms of it that I have warmed up to a little bit more in the last couple years. And maybe that's why it might have slipped from my number one favorite video game. Um, but I've replayed it a lot. And I, I truly, truly believe that it, the, no matter wh- what you think about certain elements of the game that do slow it down, because I do think there are parts that slow it down the um, the immersion and the different perspective the first person perspective in a metroid like world is very effective and very good so so much to the point that i think i was never truly able to go back to 2d with the same love the 2d metroid games and and again i'm not saying 2d metroidvanias in general i just mean metroid games um and that makes sense yeah Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that I think Symphony of Night, may, may, I might actually like that game more than Metroid Prime. And the last thing I wanted to say about Metroidvanias in general is that, and you sort of touched on this, and it's that the the handheld, the, the Game Boy Advance and the DS were huge for Metroidvanias, 2D Metroidvanias, because everyone else seemed kind of concerned with making 3D games for these new systems that were, that getting better and better in supporting 3D. I mean, Symphony of the Night's pretty interesting in that, like, the PlayStation came out and the PlayStation was very capable of doing some pretty neat things with 3D at the time. And Konami was like, we're going to make a Castlevania game. We're going to make a standard <laughs> 2D Castlevania game. And it looks beautiful. Like, I mean, it certainly uses the, the PlayStation, the, uh, the OG PlayStation's hardware, but like, it's a kind of, a, it's great, but it's, it's a little bit of an anomaly because there's really nothing like that again. I mean, everything else on, Every other Metroid or uh, like Metroidvania type game, 2D game was pretty much on Game Boy Advance and DS variants, like from then on. Yeah. So thank so, God for, for those for those systems. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the GBA, probably one of the greater systems of all time. Yeah. I'm um, going to throw it out there. Yeah. But yeah. And as you know, as you were talking, I kind of thought of uh, two things. One. As I, as I mentioned, I just don't think I really clarified it. When you get stuck in these kind of games, it's nice to just be able to put them down and literally put them down like a handheld. Um, I yeah. think it's nice. Also, generally, these games are on a budget, right? You know, you're not paying $60 for Metroid Fusion. You're paying like $40. Um, you're paying which $60 again is, for Metroid Dread. Yeah, well, right, which is why <laughs> this game is kind of insulting. Um, the other thing, too, is as you were saying it, I realized I think um, Metroid Prime works because I think um, gunplay is fundamentally better in 3d whereas i think hand-to-hand combat or with weapons is fundamentally better in 2d i mean just look at skyrim like or any elder scrolls game i never play uh with like swords or Mm. weapons like that i only ever play with magic or bows because you know combat like that doesn't work in a 3d environment where i think shooting does um but anyway shall we talk about let's should we just dive into this plot yeah Um, like like you mentioned this is a sequel to metroid fusion it's the fifth main series I, I i guess there is like this kind of a, like a main series because this is called like metroid 5 that's kind of like so so and and that kind of supports like the disembodied metroid prime series but the prime trilogy is part of the, the timeline but people consider this and i think nintendo considers this that the, the fifth metroid 5 the fifth 
2D Metroid game. Right. Um, and we only really have like three characters. Well, five, well, five, but I, I honestly, we can talk about the other kind of some of them in the context of the, the actual plot of the game. Yeah. Um, but we got Samus, uh, Samus Aran, Aaron, Samus Aran. I don't know what you want to call it. I've never known. Um, yes. yeah. She's a bounty Sam- hunter. Uh, and that is, uh, that's all we know about Samus. Nintendo's not really concerned with getting us emotionally invested in Samus in any Metroid game that's ever come out. I mean, well, maybe Metroid M. I've never well, played other M. Right. Unless it's Metroid other M, which I've seen lengthy video essays about how it's quite awful and kind of ruined Samus. And, but it mm. basically is about Samus is kind of like, who is she? And you know, her emotional life and things like that. I think cold, badass mercenary is probably where her character should have stayed. But. Yeah. And just like, we don't need to know more about Mario. Um, right. Samus is pretty iconic. If you don't know who Samus is, then stop what you're doing right now and actually go watch the Grinch. <laughs> Which will frequently be our advice for almost any. I think I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna try to mention it once an episode. Yeah. Um. And so then we have Adam, who I think was it wasn't introduced until Metroid Fusion, which he, is yeah, he her Fusion. ship's computer, who uh, has an extremely annoying robotic voice in this game. Yeah, and is basically kind of the one telling her where to go and what to do. And basically, they needed a character of any kind to kind of bounce off of Samus because she's alone. And so, boom, we get Adam. Yeah. Um, and then the really last, like, I, I guess you could call it a character is the Emmy, the Extra Planetary Multiform Mobile Identifier. And we will explain shortly what those are um, because they're kind of integral to the plot and mechanics of the game. Yeah, there's two other characters we'll get to in the plot. Um, going through the plot, it's going to sound like there's a lot of things happening in the story. There's not. There's not. Um, it, this is a really simple plot, simple game. I think we're going to talk about the plot pretty quickly. Yeah. And then we'll, we're not going to talk about like, and then you go to this area and then this area, because there's a Metroid game. There's a lot of going back and forth and hopping around and looking for, you know, upgrades and such. We will... We're going to talk about like the plot of the game. We're going to talk, then we'll go at the end. We'll talk about the different areas in the game. Um, But should we talk about the mechanics and like the gameplay first? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Because I mean, again, that's really the draw of these games. Right. Um, So so yeah, go ahead. Um, So yeah, if we start talking about maybe like the mechanics, gameplay, art, things like that, in terms of the art direction, it does carry that classic Metroid look. Obviously, this has been rendered in, you know, more HD standards. Also, I noticed, and maybe you did as well, a more industrial uh, vibe. This is not necessarily a research facility. This seems like a more practical lived-in facility compared yeah. to some of the other metroid uh areas so two of the main like graphical or like these very like nuanced things that i noticed and i appreciate them even though they didn't really sway me into like falling in love with this game like you said there's kind of this more like lived-in industrial vibe um the other thing is that samus kind of moves a little bit more like a human being yeah less like a robot like when you're hanging on ledges and such there's a little bit of like a there's kind of a way that her like legs move and like bend i don't know there's just i can't really describe it there's a more samus is more robotic in all the other metroid games but in this one yeah i know exactly more human 
I, I know exactly what you mean. All I really did was just give her a little mo- more fluidity. Yes. Um, which is putting it. which is something that, you know, on GBA, they really couldn't do. Yeah. Um, the other thing I noticed, and maybe you did as well, with that more like industrial sci-fi kind of setting, um, especially when Samus transitions between areas, uh, for some reason, I just get big doom energy. I, you know, and I say this as somebody who has little experience with the, doom series overall like mainly just doom one and two were probably the only doom games i've ever beaten i i would agree with that um based on my limited experience yeah which i think is cool that maybe nintendo was looking into more western sci-fi for inspiration yeah additionally with this new area planet zrd or zdr who cares um samus has yet another new suit why well, right, because again, for a series where you're spending 17 years sometimes between games, why wouldn't you keep your iconic character the same? You know, why wouldn't you keep them iconic? For example, Mario and Luigi are always wearing their traditional, you know, overalls and caps. True, in each game, they have different versions and power ups and things like that, but their core look has remained unchanged for the entire series. Same with Link and Zelda. Same, same with Zelda as a character. Same with Star Fox. Um, yeah. I just don't understand why you are completely redesigning your central character again. We just got a redesign with Fusion. Um, so it just seems very odd to me why they would fundamentally change her look. It has something to do with the story, I suppose. Um, but it just seems odd in a game with power-ups. Why wouldn't they just make this a, a time-sensitive power-up? But that's yeah. just me. I don't get it. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about the enemies? Yeah, I mean, so it's not totally anything new in front of the Metroid series. But what's funny about all the Metroid games is that for the most part, every every little like creature on every planet Samus has ever been on is hostile and wants to kill her. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good good point. Very seldom are the enemies just chilling and you're just like, you know what? Fuck you. And you just shoot them and kill them. Metro well, Prime is some of those enemies, but I uh I, I don't know because I haven't played you know Prime, but I also don't think the enemies are ever hostile towards each other. It's no, only ever met. Never. There's no food chain. There's no, no, just but, ones I mean, I'd love to see one enemy just attack another one. Exactly. And imagine again, like breathing life into this 2D formula. Imagine that happening. That would be very cool. They've never done anything like that before. Yeah. And and, and the other, I guess the other thing is in the 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 Chozo are not um enemies but there's a there's an element of the chozo lore which i really don't want to get into (laughs) because i also don't really care that much like chozo became like a big more of a big deal in the prime series they go into a lot more about the history of the chozo and their relationship to samus and they kind of give them some more personality and design that also is in this game as well that pretty much hasn't been in any other 2d metroid game they really want the chozos to be a thing in this one it doesn't work. I, I it don't doesn't. Think. It doesn't work. The they other... force it too much here. Whereas Metroid Prime knows how to like just have the right amount of Chozo stuff in it. Exactly. Uh, the other, again, quote unquote, uh, feature of this game is the stealth gameplay. Oh. But hey, we've done stealth gameplay in in two D Metroidvanias. In fact, in this series already in the previous game. Um, yeah. But tell us a little bit about how Dread handles stealth. <clears throat> so the Emmys, the the Emmys are these robots that are hostile towards you. We'll explain why when we go into the plot, but there are these, when, when this game first came out, it's probably good to contextualize this. There was this like 
it was all about like the Emmys. Like you are, you have to navigate this planet, but guess what? There's this thing that's hunting you. And maybe I wasn't paying enough attention to the gameplay footage and stuff before this game came out. Maybe they said this and I just missed it, but this isn't a situation where you can kind of go wherever you want. And every once in a while, there's going to be one that shows up and attacks you. Like that would have actually been better where it's kind of keeping you on edge the whole time. No, there are dedicated areas where you can encounter an Emmy, which takes a lot of the tension out. Yeah. Cause you know exactly what you're getting into before you go into that area. They almost remind me, I mean, it's different because, um, you know, obviously the encounters are way different, but it almost reminds me of Big Daddy encounters from Bioshock. Yes. And I would also analogize it to the Mr. X encounters in Resident Evil 2. Yes. Both of those, however, are infinitely more enjoyable than the Emmys. Yes, because they're random for the most part. Like, you know, there's really very little areas in those games where you are safe. Metroid, and this is just like, to me, this is like Nintendo's, mo in some ways it's like they're kind of babying the player i like the emmy zones are not easy but i don't think they're neat and i don't i don't think they do stealth well i don't think they do tension well and i think they're meant for younger players who want to get an experience with that kind of anxiety like yeah the you know areas the emmy areas feel um it feels satisfying when you beat an Emmy, but that satisfaction doesn't outweigh either the sheer simplicity of that Emmy or alternatively the annoyance of that Emmy. Yes. And I would go further and say that satisfaction was gone for me after the first time, the first area I thought was just like, okay, this is, this is, yeah, this is neat. Maybe I had a I had a couple areas where I was standing my ground and blasting the Emmy with a beam you need to kind of take off its faceplate. Um, we'll kind of we'll talk in a second about the yeah. flow of these, but um, there was like one time where I was really standing my ground. I think it was the water Emmy, um, and he was you know inches away from my face before I blew it off and killed him. And I was like, okay, That's that satisfying. was te- that was tense and fun and satisfying. That's really the only time yeah <laughs> I, I felt that way right and so like each emmy kind of as the game progresses you can counter more and more but there's like six or seven of them or something and each one has a little sort of different maneuverability and as you go on through the game they're they get better and better at hearing you seeing you and kind of navigating traversing the that environment in a way that kind of maybe cuts you off like the ai and the emmys are actually it's pretty good it's not bad. And the uh, the Emmys will frequently have uh, abilities to travel that you do not. Yes. Um, so certain Emmys will move in areas under the floor or through tunnels that you are only able to move in at later on in the game. Right. So you have to, and you can see all of that. Which, so you can, you have, you can kind of plan, you can see like, oh, maybe there's like a vent that they'll go through, which is funny because if you're really Samus, you would have absolutely no idea where they're coming from, but it's a 2D game. And so we can see yeah. the player and it's, it's odd. I hope it's a whole, I don't know, a whole other conversation, but um, I so imagine yeah. she has like the radar, like in the movie aliens. I, yeah, maybe you can kind of, yeah. So in each one of these areas, the, the goal is to find this, the kind of like, and, and you'll in, throughout these levels, you'll kind of be passing through them without necessarily like the moment you enter them for the first time, that doesn't mean your end goal is to get, you're not heading right for the destination right away. Sometimes you need to pass through these zones to get to another area. Right. And you'll be going back and forth through them, but eventually 
you'll go, you'll enter that area and you need to find this room that tri- that helps you charge up the special beam that is capable of defeating the Emmy. And even when you do that, it's still not necessarily super easy to kill the Emmy. You have to like kind of blast its fl- face p- plate off and then unleash this charge shot on its central eye, central weak point, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And additionally, as you're making your way towards, I think they're power generator rooms is what they're called. Something, something like, like that. Yeah. I just, I just call them beam rooms, <laughs> but as you're making your way towards the beam room, almost always uh, a new barrier will block your way. And yes. you first have to find the power up for that area to, uh, to remove the barrier. Yeah. And sometimes, as you mentioned, you will have to be jumping back and forth between areas to complete this process, but this is essentially the loop, right? You enter an area, find your way to the beam room. It's probably blocked. Either find the weapon in that area or a different area, come back, unlock it, get the beam, find the Emmy, kill the Emmy. Yep. Um, So yeah, that's basically the loop. As you said, that's not a super fun loop because the Emmys kind of suck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, so this is a Metroid game. So you've got pretty much a lot of your standard weapons and pickups. There's some things I actually, I, I'm not as well versed in the Metroid series or I'm not as fluent. despite how many times I've played and replayed these games as to like, what is new to this game versus what's been in another game before. Um, but you've got, you know, the charge beam, wave beam, spider ball, wide beam, morph ball, power bomb, various suit for heat resistance, gravity suit, grapple beam, missiles, super missiles, ice missiles, storm missiles, plasma beam, double jump, space jump, screw attack. Those are, to me, I think those are at least the ones in this game that have been in many other Metroid games. Um, I'm, we're not going to go into like the details and what some of the other ones do, but there's some other like neat room, like neat um, weapons, like the diffusion beam that can kind of penetrate walls, uh, the phantom cloak, which kind of lets you disappear and kind of get past like um, motion sensors and such um, flash shift, which lets you kind of like jump, like warp jump, like backward or forward the pulse radar, which helps you detect like breakable blocks, the cross bomb, you know, this all sounds, if you've played a Metro game before, you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and to the thing about them is none of them feel super satisfying. No, um, really. Yeah. I, I, honestly, the most here's my take. The most satisfying thing in any me- weapon in any Metro game, and I'm counting Metroid Prime, this 3D games, which I'm which I love. And I don't think they do this power up as well as the 2D games. Screw attack. It's just fun. Yeah, I was I was going to say it's, it's the best not one. It's not even an attack. It's just the ability double jump. Once I unlock yeah, the well, right. jump in Metroidvanias, it's just the greatest feeling ever. It really is. Um, and the 2D games, much more than the Metroid, the 3D Metroid games are, when you get the double jump, space jump, screw attack, that's when you can pretty much go anywhere. Right. Um, that's And that's usually towards like the end of the game. And I got, But I got to tell you, we'll, we'll do this game eventually. When you get the space jump in Metroid Prime, one of the most satisfying parts of the game. You get it only about like a third of the way in. But man, is it, you're just like, holy cow, this 3D environment. Now I can go so many, your mind is just like, I've been, I've, I've been looking at all these places throughout this whole game so far that I couldn't get to before. You can visualize them perfectly. And you're like, fuck, I can't wait to go back to those areas. And that's a feeling that these 2D Metro games just don't give me anymore. Um, yeah, not as much. It's unfortunate. Um, Pickup wise, you got energy tanks, power bomb expansions, missile, missile expansions. You don't, in, in every Metro game, you really don't have to pick everything up. 
I'm a completionist, so I will try to 100% everything uh, in a Metro game, <laughs> but even usually before I fight the final boss. It makes the game easier, though. It really does. Um, plenty of times, you if you don't have a lot of power-ups and you fight like a boss or a final boss, you will run out of met missiles, which are almost essential to beating bosses. Bosses will almost always have a way to get more missiles. You have to usually sh- like shoot projectiles that they throw at you out of the air, and then you could get met- missiles from that. It's nice to not have to rely on it. Yeah. However, um, what I like is that this is a very um, self-selected difficulty. Yes. You know, if you if you want to make the game super hard, you can do that. You don't have to change any other settings. Just don't collect those things. Um, Right. I think it's a really great way for players to kind of control their own uh, difficulty. And that said, I don't think this is one of the harder 2D Metroid games. I think Super Metroid and Metroid Fusion are definitely harder. Um. Which is interesting. Uh, I, yeah, I made like the, the. I died a lot because the Emmys kill you a lot because if you make like stupid decisions. But I don't call that hard. That was just annoying. Agreed. I I don't find this game to be particularly difficult. I think as as you mentioned, the Emmys can be annoying. But I think I when I started playing it. Um, it does feel very buttery smooth at certain points. You're just yes. making progress in a very smooth, natural way. Yeah. But for some reason, that just doesn't translate to being good enough, I guess. I agree. For whatever reason. Yep. All right. So um, what should we, should we jump to next? Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> Let's do the plot. You want, you want to take the lead on it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you played okay, it slightly so more recently than I did. I, I did. Um, also, I would say, again, I mentioned, I'm going to read through the plot outline. And if you haven't played this game, you're going to be like, Aaron and James, what are you saying? There's a lot of plot going on here. And I guess there is, but so much of it is kind of implied. It doesn't feel like it. Not dwelt upon, and Samus doesn't seem to care. So when I saw the outline you wrote for the plot, I'm like, wow, that's a lot. That's more than I got. I I got from the game. I know (laughs) there, like a lot happens, but it's just barely touched on. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Samus, this again is taking place after Metroid Fusion. I won't go into a lot of Metroid Fusion plot, but there was something uh, in that game called the X Parasite. The X Parasite could. Um, mimic people monsters aliens things like that um Mm -hmm. samus during the course of that game uh, bonded with an ex-parasite uh however the galactic federation believes that the ex-parasites are not all destroyed and that actually some remain on the planet zdr they sent emmys as you mentioned those robots to see what's going on but all contact was was lost they decide to send samus because she is immune to the ex-parasite after what went on in metroid fusion so after arriving on the planet, Samus meets a Chozo. Uh, we mentioned those are kind of bird-like warriors. They're the ones who raised Samus. I don't know if we mentioned that um, when we introduced her. Um, yep. Again, it doesn't really matter. It's not doesn't. important. I it mean, as, again, Prime. as someone I love, as someone who loves Prime, even like that game, I just don't really care about the plot. <laughs> right. But I like the, the shot- threat. I like the threat in Metroid Prime, like the 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 Metroid threat and the the eventually Metroid Prime 2, the Dark Samus threat. Um, but that doesn't mean I like the plot. I just like no. the, kind of the mood. Well, also, this is supposed to be kind of shocking if anyone cares or if your name is Yosh- Yoshido Sakamoto, you care. 
um, <laughs> that this this Chozo both we're seeing on screen alive. We frequently seen only seen Chozo statues and Chozo ruins in 2D uh, Metroids. However, he is antagonistic, which we definitely haven't seen. So he steals away all of Samus's powers, which is a pretty common trope in Metroidvanias. Uh, and he banishes her to the lowest section of ZDR. So what is actually a bit interesting and unique about this Metroid game is you kind of start at the bottom um, and your initial goal is to climb your way back. To yeah. The top. And usually you start at the top and are just kind of going down and into the depths of whatever planet. And that's usually where the final boss is. Right. So uh, essentially from the beginning, that's your setup. You are trapped on the lowest spot of ZDR. You're making your way up to your ship, kind of figuring out what's going on with this evil Chozo. So eventually, uh, a nice Chozo, whose name is Quiet Robe, um, wants to help Samus defeat Ravenbeak, who is why the leader the of the Ameri- evil Chozo. Why the Native uh, American you know, type? I don't... I just don't get I it. I don't know. I, I don't know either. I rolled I think- my eyes right out of my head when I read both those names. When I played this, I was like, what are you doing, Nintendo? That, that just further isolated me. Quiet Robe, I think, is much more evocative and kind of interesting. Yes. Ravenbeak, horrible. Uh, get the fuck out of yeah. here with that. Ravenbeak is horrible. So uh, I, we find out that I guess Ravenbeak and the evil Chozo warriors uh, are the ones that exterminated the the like nice scientist Chozo that Samus uh, raised or was raised or who raised Samus. Which I suppose, again, like if you're if you're new to the series or if you haven't played this game, you're thinking like, wow, this must be really personal for Samus. It's the people who exterminated, you know, her tribe, um, I guess. But who cares? Because Samus doesn't seem to care. No, you, um, there's no sense that she should care. So why should you? And that's and that's the that's the problem with trying to do this type of plot in a not in, in a Metro game period, in a 2D Metro game, especially there's no cinematic. I mean, there's some cinematics in this game and they're actually pretty good, but the lack of cinematic, there's no cinematic like nature to the whole game. You can't just like have a 2d game. That's more mechanics based than you throw some cinematics at us and expect us to, it to completely engross us in the story and to another level. Now, if you had made the whole Metroid game like a 3D experience where you've got these crazy like uncharted level cinematics, then maybe if it feels like we're playing a movie, but we're not playing a movie. It doesn't feel like that. So these kind of the, well, the, the, the mood of these cinematics sort of die to me. Also, to test the effectiveness of this plot, did you even remember that detail? No. Did you? Yeah, did, you didn't no. remember that. I didn't either until I reread it. I didn't remember the detail that Ravenbeak murdered essentially Samus's entire family. Um, in any other plot, you would remember that because it's important. Yeah. And I sort of said this earlier, but like, does this game's plot not just reek of Nintendo making this shit up as they go along? Pretty much. Um, pretty it, much. But like it lazily so because, you know, sometimes you don't know what you're going to do with the next game. It's not like you have like a plan. But, well, but, but, but a, they did. They did because this was conceived in 2005. So like we don't know how much, though, years of. Well, but that's that's the thing. And that's why it's it's still it comes off as so lazy that they did have years to like really refine the story and to make a lasting impact. But they, they it just again, you, like you, some, you nailed it. Fell lazy. Lazy is the word. I, yeah. I, I feel like this game's plot is lazy. A lot or a lot of elements about this game are lazy. Well, so after Samus gets this, what should be devastating news, uh, Quiet Robe is murdered by a robot. 
Uh, also, <laughs> she doesn't care, and neither do we as a player. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so we find out that Ravenbeak is the one who reprogrammed the Emmys to hunt down Samus specifically, which, you know, now their antag- antagonistic behavior makes a lot more sense. Um, Samus's DNA at this point is a blend of human, warrior Chozo, scientist Chozo, maybe some para- Parasite X. Maybe we got some Metroid DNA in there. I don't really know what's going on with her DNA. She has um, X in Metroid DNA. She yeah. does. So she's just a real hodgepodge of DNA strands. However, uh, we find out that the piece of warrior DNA, it shows a warrior DNA, comes specifically from Ravenbeak. So again, like in any other in any <laughs> other plot, it'd be like Ravenbeak's kind of her genetic father. <clears throat> yeah. Um, who Samus doesn't care. No one seems to care. Um, again, like you mentioned, it's it's all the presentation. It's just like things are brought up, and again, in any other plot would be earth shattering, but in this plot, you're just like, oh, okay, next. Yeah. Um, so Samus fights Ravenbeak uh in a big final boss fight. He gets infected with the X Parasite. Um, after defeating him, the planet explodes because, of course, this is a Metroid game. Um, guess who's not dead? Uh, a quiet robe. Great. Who cares? Um, he's been bonded with an X Parasite. He helps Samus escape. Um, and I guess this is the end for another 20 years, maybe yeah. until Met- or Nintendo decides to make another 2D Metroid. Um, I also have read, according to the producer, this is supposed to be the end of the quote Metroid saga for Samus. I guess got to call the series something different now. Yeah. Also, cool. Great. Just like Kingdom Hearts 3 is like, this is the end of the Dark Seeker saga. Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll, great. I can't wait for four. Yeah, sign me up. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll play it and hate myself afterwards yes. and during. So this was the plot, which again, like there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And again, if you are specifically um, Yoshio Sakamoto, I bet you care about all these plot developments. If you're anyone else, you you don't and you wouldn't because how could you? Yeah. Um. So that was the plot. I also forgot that Quiet Robe wasn't dead. That really, I, I remembered <laughs> next to nothing about this game. The plot yeah, that is. I uh, I remember a lot about the experience in the areas. So let's um, jump into that. Why don't we it, start going through the areas? Yeah, we'll go through these quickly. There's there's a lot of like gibberish names. Um, there, there's more. It's the areas are the reason you play. Part of the reason you play a Metro game. That's part of what makes Metro games so effective. Like their 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 environments. Um, that coupled with the general nature of a Metroidvania, like gameplay and kind of how we described it earlier, like that's to me the the reason to play a Metroid game specifically. Not that I care about like the plot in Castlevania games. I care a little bit more, but you know. Um, so the first area, like the very kind of bottom of the planet is Arteria. We're going to butcher some of these names probably. Um, deepest part of planet ZDR. It's kind of like rocky, sandy area with some water here and there. This is kind of where you unlock a lot of your basic tool set, like your, your morph ball, bomb, your your charge beam, things like that. Because Samus is usually just like walking around like an amateur at the beginning of all these Metroid games. Well, because she frequently has her powers stolen <clears throat> by someone. Yes. Yeah. Um, the next area is Cataris which is this kind of like thermal powered industrial station that uses thermal energy from the lava and of the planet to power other parts of the planet. There's a lot of hot areas that you can't really access right away because you need to get the various suit as always. Um, that's kind of all there is to it. Again, there's not really a whole lot to each of these things, but the, the thing I wanted to mention about kind of areas in general is there, there are some areas that the, the backgrounds look very beautiful. I just think that it, things got a little repetitive um 
and it just the, the the magic of any area if it even worked on me to initially it kind of faded away unfortunately kind of quickly well both in game and meta game because yes. both in game the environments start feeling samey but also meta game if you look at the whole series like I rolled my mm. eyes when I got to Berenia. Like, oh, here's the water level. Yeah. There's a jungle level. There's a fire lava level. Like, it's just even within the series, they just keep doing the same thing. Well, whereas if you look at something like Castlevania, yes, a lot of the areas are the same, but certain games have like, you know, a ballroom, which would be in a castle versus, you know, the dungeons versus yeah. the catacombs. Like, there's just more you can do with that kind of aesthetic, I feel like then you can with this one if you're playing it very straight, which I'm, they are. I'm glad that you brought that up because I actually like that. I, I generally, generally, not as much in this game. It didn't really work for me, but I like when there's like a, a lava level and a water level and things like that. And sometimes when games get too far away from that, when they keep, they're clearly trying not to do that. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. One area I think it works very well is Metroid Prime 2. Because Metroid Prime 1 is that there's an ice area, there's a water area, there's a lava area. There's It's a little deeper than that. It's not as bad as in this case. And then Metroid Prime 2, they're clearly like, we can't do that again. So let, how are we going to do it differently? And I think they really succeed. It's very good. There's some things that I think Metroid Prime 2 doesn't do well. But I actually generally like that for a Metroid series. Or at least maybe I thought I did until this because suppose it's just this is the fifth game in the series though I, I see what you're saying um but I and think also Fusion if, didn't do that Fusion yeah, was a good exactly. change of play a, a good change of pace and maybe I and so I would have thought that maybe I'd want it here but I guess I I don't know yeah it just again it feels lazy um it feels like especially if this is the first game after 20 years out of the gate. I understand having some, you know, familiar themes. Well, because again, like if if there wanted to be a lava level, a water level, and a jungle level in this game, that's still only three out of the what seven or eight. Yeah, um, they could have done that and then done more with the other areas because the other areas just those are kind of the ones that just feel bereft of identity um, and just kind of like they could have really stretched their imaginations, and it just feel like. It feels like they they didn't and they couldn't be bothered to. Yeah, and I think that the, while the some of the sounds in this game are are well done, I wish that they had done a little bit more to make a more immersive like soundscape. Um, I played a little bit of the game with headphones on, and I think that was the, my best time playing it. Um, being able to kind of hear noises in the background and such but i just don't think they did enough with that and i think that could have been better especially when you you know like hearing like the pitter patter of like rain um something more like i need i need this in like dolby atmos (laughs) um anyway uh so the next area is dairon which is a biologic biological research facility there's initially kind of it's one of one of its main like gimmicks is that there's some areas that are have like a blackout and you have to you know light up those areas um Berenia which is their water level this is kind of like a marine research site built around like oceans on the on ZDR um do you want to walk through the rest yeah so we have Berenia um this seems to be a Chozo settlement area there's a lot of Chozo statues a lot of abandoned buildings that's pretty much the majority of the rest of the areas are just like abandoned buildings with statues exactly unfortunately 
Uh, we have uh, Gavran, Gavorin, Gavran. Who knows? Who knows? It's an underground underground jungle area, which again we've seen <clears> in the <throat> series. Um, I do like the aesthetic here. Um, yeah, I think me too. Valid. This is probably my favorite area of the game. Yeah, we have Ellen um, or Elon. Uh, another area with statues. Is this the one that's kind of Ravenbeak's uh, like fortress area? I, I get them all mixed up. I have no idea, Eric. <laughs> I, I don't either. I know it's not Hanubia because Hanubia I, is the dark and rainy, rocky. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, all, yeah. almost near the end. I, I think it might be Elun. Uh, I think it is, yeah. but I didn't even bother to look it up before. I know. I think Elun is. I think Elun is more of the active, like military staging area mm-hmm. where th- things don't feel quite as run down. What I'm you just right. said, I probably was deeper than anything anyone said in the development room when they were. That's probably true. Game. Also, for each of these areas, notice we didn't mention bosses uh, because, again, I can't really remember a single one. Um, they're all fine they're all they all have decent patterns uh they didn't frustrate me like the emmys did yeah but they're not super unique or special or interesting yeah i would well i'll mention it and what works what doesn't work i'll, I'll say yeah. my thought um but then we have our last area itorash itorash this is kind of where the final um encounter takes place um here's a question where do you think this is where oh i don't know yeah. I, I, I I honestly well so I think you take an elevator up to a ship and you fight Ravenbeak on a ship and then you crash down to the planet and then you do the rest of the fight there I I think I that's what I gather we're doing a disservice to the audience maybe uh but like, no I but really I could have looked honestly, this shit up but I I just I was I didn't <laughs> well that's the thing I mean but honestly I think from even our lack of like we didn't really look into this all that much we both played the game but again because it just feels so lazy and like I don't know like who cares Ravenbeak's dead his name is Ravenbeak right um, like it just nothing about this feels like nothing about this game compels me to give it my full effort and energy because right. it feels like the game did not give its full effort and energy yep um, and that's a good segue into what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Would um, you like to start us off? I just, I'm going to reiterate my hot take. <laughs> well, not really that hot take, but just like, I think Metroid should be done in 2D. Just make it in 3D. And not, frankly, Metro Prime 4 is going to be, is going to be big to me. Cause that will tell me like, do, should we just let the series end or not? Um, at least I, depending on how Metroid Prime 4 is, I might be done with Metroid. Like after I, I will stop caring about new games. Um, but we'll see. I'm going to hold out hope because I think the Prime series, Prime trilogy, is good. It ranges from fantastic to good. Um, so we'll see what what uh, Retro Studios has. Um, so it's a Metroid game. So generally, generally that whole thing kind of works uh, for it. Um, generally, um, I think the boss battles are forgettable but enjoyable. I don't really didn't really care about them. And I definitely didn't care about them story-wise. Craig shows up because what the fuck? Oh, How did yeah. Craig get here? I didn't even mention it because it's not, like, it's not explained. Like, again, it's like, it's, it feels very lazy. Like, Hey, remember this guy here? Yeah. He is. And like, it create, I mean, this at least it's better than Ridley showing up for like the 10,000th Metroid game. But like, yeah. so the fact that Craig shows up is stupid, but it was a fun fight. I would say. The final yeah. boss fight, I think, against Raven's Taint is like good. Uh, it, you know, it's good. Um, forgettable, but good. Um, 
that's pretty much all I have for works. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's a little bit of a mood that they kind of have in some of the areas, but I think that mood kind of dies out quickly. And like, so what doesn't work, you've kind of mentioned it and hit the nail on the head areas feel a little samey. Um, maybe that's just because again, maybe I have Metroid fatigue. I don't know. Um, I think the Emmy and Emmy zones are pretty much just a failure <laughs> in my, in my opinion. Um, it's the game kind of gets repetitive and I, yeah, I just think some the areas just, I'm just not, it, it, this game didn't grip me. And what I'm going to say quickly before we, you do yours is that with all this negativity and you and I have tried to like diagnose this before is that it's still a, not a bad game. It's a, it's a Nintendo property. They put a lot of love and care into it, even though I think they just, it's just not, it was a disappointment to me relative to the bar that Nintendo usually has for itself. Like where the hell, like when when they put out a new Mario game, holy shit, is that a good game? Like when there's a new Mario game coming out, you just know it's going to be good. And it just, Metroid doesn't have that. And it maybe not isn't Nintendo's fault. Maybe it's just, you can only maybe they they the genre or just metroid in general like has this inherent fatigue to it but this is not a bad game i'm not going to say i recommend it but it's not bad it's it's actually good at times it's just not what i wanted <laughs> i would just play zero mission or fusion instead yeah yeah I mean, really yep um i agree with you i think this game is a very solid b maybe b minus i would say b minus yeah. which is you know which is fine you know b minus is fine that doesn't mean it's bad like b minus is great a lot of games i love i would say are, is a b minus but i still like them um i think you you nail it though a nintendo nintendo products first party nintendo products almost always are solid a's almost yeah. always even if it's you know i don't love animal crossing like it's just not for me but i i did dabble in the newest animal crossing game i would say if you're in animal crossing that is an a I would say if you're into Metroid, unfortunately, this is a B or a B minus. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of how it is. I agree with you on what doesn't work. The only thing I'll mention in what does work uh, besides the mood, because I think sometimes this game captures mood well. I agree with you on everything that doesn't work. And we've talked about it. I will say what does work is this is probably the best map in the series. And for a Metroidvania, this is a very sensitive 2D series. I will say. 2D, yes, yeah. 2D series. For a 2D Metroidvania in general, I think this is a very sensitive, very informative map. Um, and I think it alleviated, uh, I think it does a good job alleviating navigation frustration that mm-hmm. in a way that other Metroidvania maps do not. Um, what do you think about the map? I'm not as hot on it as you are, but you make good points. I would say I, I there's to a degree I would agree that it's it the map works well, but I also think the bar isn't extremely high for that. True, but I think the map does a really excellent job of showing you um, showing you those areas that yeah. are inaccessible at the moment, and yes. very key flagging um, different areas that you will be able to navigate, but not yet. Yeah, and I think I'm conflating like the areas with the map right i, when, I mean i mean the mechanical yeah. like when you press start you're you're, you're right then in that my apologies yeah that in that way i would say yeah it's it's the, it's the best the map is yeah the map is very good what i what i especially like just because when i play metroidvania is part of my frustration with them is sometimes you do not understand what things you may mm-hmm. or may not be able to interact with or areas you may or may not be able to uh yeah tread. 
whereas this game very clearly on the map marks hey you can't go here yet but eventually you will be able to yeah um something that did this also that i thought was an extremely good map was uh star wars jedi fallen order uh, mm. probably had the best 3d uh, metroidvania map that i've seen i haven't again i haven't played prime uh, as nearly as much as you have but that i thought was the a map in a game like this is kind the of the map the map in prime and prime two is one of the weaker parts of the game it, it's unfortunately they didn't quite know what to do with the map however i i don't think it's it doesn't make the game incredibly difficult in any way it's just not it's not they could have done better yeah yeah so uh let's have some fun finally uh with, <laughs> with this game what a shitty game uh no again no, no, it's no. just it's shitty for metroid and yeah. for nintendo well, yeah but uh, if yeah, we're gonna cast fun. this as a movie uh who are we casting so to be fair mine's kind of lame I know. I did. Um, I did Samus Adam Emmy. I also did Quiet Robin Ravenclaw. Oh, I only did. Uh, I did. Uh, I did Samus and Adam, I, and I did Brie Larson as Samus just because she's a fan of the series and has expressed interest in playing Samus, and she's mm. blonde. You know, if you want to be accurate about that. Um, Adam, I just said the voice of Paul Bettany. So, oh yeah. Uh, someone with just a, not as a grading of a voice as like the actual Adam voice. Um. Not really that interesting to cast. Uh, Metroid is another game that like when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, I want a live action Metroid. I don't. I don't want that because, you know, know, if you want to do like a really high budget experimental movie where there's barely any dialogue. And it's just like all about mood and atmosphere, that would be interesting. It could fail, but I'd rather have someone gamble on that. However, you'd never get a studio to gamble on that where someone like gives the like the is shopping their Metroid movie screenplay around. And it's like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's like 90 pages, but like, there's like five lines of dialogue and just the rest is scene direction. No one's going to fucking fund that movie, <laughs> but that's the Metroid movie that yeah. I would want. I, 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 agree. I, I don't ever want them to make a Metroid movie unless it's going to be something experimental like that. Yeah, so in mine, I went um, live action. I also went for this story specifically. I also picked a director. So oh. uh, the direct the director I picked, just because of how like frantic this plot is with massive revelations that just get completely brushed aside. Michael Bay? A, no, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look at, I mean, look at Rise oh. of Skywalker. Just Jeez, boom, boom, right. boom. Massive plot points that just get brushed aside. Let's move along. The story needs to keep going. Okay, well then who, um, who's gonna, who would make the weirdest version of this? And you can't say David Lynch. I damn. want you to pick a different director. Okay, I am going to say... Ron Howard. Jesus. No, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, that is a really good question. I would like to see a Metroid film helmed by um, Edgar Wright. What do you think about that? Ooh, I like that. Yeah. That, ooh. Right? I like that. I would have said Guillermo del Toro. Well, actually, well, sorry, not in terms of weirdest. Guillermo del Toro's would be actually pretty good. Yeah. In terms of like weirdest, it's I keep like wanting to say David Lynch, even though I created the rule that you can't say David Lynch. <laughs> um, David Fincher would make a pretty fucked up Metroid movie. I think so. Um, it would be very visually precise. 
Yes. Um, and I don't <laughs> even think he would ever do that because I think he needs dialogue. Stanley Kubrick. I'm going to go with Stanley Kubrick. Ooh, well, I mean, come on. Dead, dead directors don't count. Then we, why don't we have Shakespeare write the script? <laughs> Why don't we? <laughs> I don't know. Um, we make the rules for this segment. Yeah. Um, um, would you want to live in this world? Well, you didn't even let me finish casting. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought. Yeah. I forgot you. You said you did. Yeah. Uh, no, Raven's I movie. just. I, I also included the director. I, you I'm haven't sorry. heard a single one. You. You haven't heard Samus yet. Oh God. Yeah. I'm sorry <laughs> about that. I forgot. Oh boy. And it, it, and. If I may be so bold, I think my casting is far superior to yours. Oh, I bet it is. And it's, I don't mean, I apologize. It's not an insult to you. It's just, I, it just, I just don't, don't care about, Met, about Metroid being realized in this way, you know? No, I suppose. But, but if you, if, my apologies. If, were to, if no, you're fine. But if it were to happen uh, for Samus, I have Christine Watterson or Watterson. That's, that's a great one. Right. I, I love her in pretty much everything she's been in. Or Catherine, her, Catherine Waterston. Catherine. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry. Catherine Waterston. She's, she's an phenomenal. Alien Covenant. She's an Alien Covenant. I even like her in The Babysitters, which I think is her first role. Uh, I also love her in the Fantastic Beast movies. Yeah. I think pretty much everything she's in is great. She she has a great range um, and she can definitely play a hardened badass um, like Samus. Yeah. Um, for Adam, I went a little different route. Instead of being a boring robot, I made him Chris Evans. Um, just because if you're going to have only really one person talk to Samus for most of the film, it should be someone who's like fun and you can have fun banter with her. Ooh, Michael Shannon, just an angry Michael Shannon. <laughs> I think angry Michael Shannon would be great for Ravenclaw. Um, although I have someone different for him. <laughs> Raven um, Beak. For, whatever. <laughs> Ravenclaw. Yeah. God damn it. That's Harry Potter. Raven Beak. <laughs> Um, for the Emmys, I had Andy Serkis, uh, doing the, <laughs> the mocap as well. Yeah. And he can give each of them their own personality and like, he can do the voiceover for their little beeps and quirks. Um, so I thought Andy Serkis was good for that. That's good. For, for quiet robe. I had Maggie Smith. Let's bring a woman in there. Uh, besides Samus, let's get yeah. some British dignity. Sure. The quiet robe. And then on the other end, to give some British bombast, let's get Jeremy Irons as Ravenbeak. Let's you just do it. Let's just sure. do it big and bold. No, that I like that. I think that, that yeah. that's like some good casting. Maggie Smith is be really unfortunate when she dies afterwards. And it was like, what was the last movie Maggie Smith made? Oh, <laughs> Metroid yeah. Dread. She was quiet um, robe. If there's if there's an ever a plot summary for a Maggie Smith film where there's a line that says, <laughs> quote, then she gets subsumed by Parasite X. I think Maggie Smith needs to seriously re-examine all of her life choices. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Do we want to live in this world? I'm going to say the answer is I don't know because we don't no. know anything about it. We don't. In all of Metroid, so my answer is no. Right. No. We, in all of Metroid, we only get individual snapshots of like planets. Of hostile like, territories hostile. that want to yeah. kill you. We hear about it as this Galactic Federation, but we have no idea what that looks like or if it's peaceful or if it's good or if you want to live there. <laughs> so yeah, no, I don't, I don't know what we're getting up into yeah. with this world. Yeah. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts. What do you got? <sighs> okay. Um, the area name, I'll just call it CDR. And you just, you know, in classic Kingdom Hearts fashion, you, you exit one, these just designated areas, you exit one area and then suddenly you're in another themed area, right? You got yeah. the water area, whatever. Um, so plot wise, basically just mimic the plot of the game. It's, you know, Kingdom Hearts plots in these areas are very minimalistic. They usually, and if they are taking a plot that is denser, they will just dumb it down to like the barest, 
beats. And well, that's the plot of this game. It's just like Samus lands on a planet, loses all her shit. You can help Samus get it all back. Fight with Samus, go kill Raven, Raven Beak, whatever. Not it. Honestly, Nomura can't really fuck this up because I think that it's already kind of fucked. It's pretty airtight in terms of basic plots um, for, video, for video game levels. Yeah. And then I've got my Keyblade is called Bounty's End. That's probably the best thing I think I have when it comes to Kingdom Hearts. Um, mm. It's so I would say like the Keyblade, like the shaft and like the, the handle will kind of like have this sort of same design as Samus's arm cannon. Okay. If that makes sense. And then the blade part is like maybe made of energy, like Samus's like regular beam energy. I like that. Uh, and then like the keychain would be like a missile, a little missile expansion or energy like tank. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, and then where was the keyhole? In Samus's heart. Yeah, always. Okay, for mine, <laughs> the level is also ZDR. Um, the plot is essentially the same. I just Kingdom Hearts did up. Okay. Um, so what I the only thing I changed is uh, when Sora, Donald, and Goofy wind up on ZDR, the same thing happens as happens to Samus. So the evil Chozo, who is a heartless or is working with a heartless, I'm sure, uh, steals their powers and splits them up across areas. Yeah. So I think it would be really fun if all of a sudden as Sora, your only option is now attack. Okay. Um, and so now Sora meets Samus and teams up with her to get her powers and your powers back. So you just travel around to the different areas, fight a heartless, get magic back, get summon back, get you know all of your abilities back. Then you fight Ravenbeak or whoever, <laughs> you kill him. The keyhole is unlocked, um, like the gummy ship is unlocked in Kingdom Hearts 2, right? Oh, okay. Doesn't use his key to unlock the gummy ship. I think so, so yeah. Sora unlocks her ship and that allows them to escape. <clears throat> Um, and then back, you know, back into space or whatever. Samus goes her own way. Sora and the crew continue their adventure. Um, and then the Keyblade, I called it the Parasite Predator. Um, and it's just got general like techno sci-fi like handle and blade, um, just kind of like Samus's armor. But there's a Parasite X as like kind of the cutting blade part of it. Okay. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. do. Re- I really like your idea of having Sora lose his powers too. Yeah, that's, isn't that that's creative. That's that way to go. Way to go above and beyond. Thank you. That's I, I. I try and go above and beyond with my Kingdom Hearts levels. I think uh, go, make me the director. I'll turn the series around. Um, yeah. There's no no one can do that. No one can yeah. write that ship. It's too late. Um, did you find any good fan fiction? No, I found like one that I thought was. I mean, again, we as we try to like we try to find stuff specific to the game, right? And that's harder because this is a more recent game though there because you mentioned earlier there's like there was the name drop of metroid dread um in prime three there was a, you know a couple um fan fictions that were called like metroid dread or something along that those lines they weren't very interesting i mean they were and by that i mean they're actually kind of like really well thought out and well, well written and it kind of has ties to like the prime lore and there's like some of the bounty hunters that you meet in prime hunters and but ultimately, Yawn, I mean, those are like, they were actually kind of good, but they weren't very interesting in a goofy way. Um, well, that- also, to be fair, I'm sure they were better than any plot Nintendo would come up with. True. Um, the only one I found that I thought was really worth talking about is called Samus's High School Daughter Troubles. Oh, God. Tell me everything, please. <laughs> 
Okay. And the, so the, the, the intro is, uh, well, the tagline is nothing in Samus's life has been normal, which also holds true when dealing with her adopted teenage daughter. And this is a mini crossover of sorts. So this is another idea that wouldn't leave me alone. Enjoy. Give me just, I could give you a thousand guesses as to what this is a crossover with and you'll, you wouldn't get it. I'm going to say card captor Sakura. Wow. Uh, No. Damn it. Um, I thought you were going to say, wow, that's right. No, but uh, you're the, I hadn't heard of that until recently. A friend of mine is, is watching it. Apparently it was very popular. Uh, Not in the United States. Um, In South America was more popular apparently. Um, And is an anime that, uh, or animated show. I don't even know if it's an anime itself, but I've been told to watch it. I hear it's, it's quite good. Uh, A friend of mine's watching it now. Um, No, uh, it's a, it's a crossover with bloody roar. Would you have gotten that in a thousand guesses? Never in a thousand guesses. Also, is Bloody Roar the fighting game where people become hybrid animal monsters? It sure is. Yeah. Okay. So there's only really one uh, because it's they seem to have given up on it, which is my favorite type of fan fiction where they just clearly are like going insane as they're writing it. Also, I would argue the most the most frequent kind you find. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So it kind of like starts with Samus waking up uh, and hearing some noise and she runs into the other room and there's this kind of like chimera like beast that is just destroying everything in her house. And it (laughs) just this like snake goat crossover uh, that eventually like kind of calms down. It turns out that Samus's daughter, Yuriko and sure. Samus has to like shoot her with a plasma beam to calm her down. Yeah. Uh, and then it's just, it's just so stupid. And then it's just like, all right, come on. You got to like go to school. Um, and there's just like a, this throwaway line because it's written by a man that it's just like, um, has to mention that Samus was dressed in a form fitting pink bodysuit that showed off some cleavage from her C cup bust. It's just, Actually, it. maybe that was her, her daughter. It's just like, it, but it's it's so out of nowhere. It's just you know, horny um, uh, fan fiction writers. Uh, it's really not. There's really nothing that much interesting else about it. Unfortunately, um, it's just kind of like you can't keep turning into an animal like this. Uh, and then the last, and then it says like the Sam, like, Samus. How many times have we told you? Yeah, and then the end says fiend. Uh, and then the last line is, I was thinking about writing a prequel where Samus crashes her ship and ends up meeting the bloody roar cast, but I don't know if I have the motivation. Anyway, review. Yeah, you smash that like button. That. You you don't have to do that. What's the author's name? Uh, Daryl Sny, short for Daryl Snyder. Okay, well, that fan fiction sounds horrible. Oh, and, it's, um, and sorry, the reason I bring it up is because it's said in the beginning that there are spoilers to, for Metroid Dread, but because I am so out of touch with the Metroid Dread, Brett, Dread plot, I could not identify what it was spoiling from the plot. I mean, um, who cares? Yeah. How about you? Okay, so I did find something. I was looking specifically for metroid dread fan fiction which right that's as you mentioned it's yeah i just sorted by recent fan fiction and looked for dread. so i did find one um what i find very interesting is that this work combines both the 
um, very nuts and bolts mechanical elements of the story Metroid Dread with also, uh, let's say, some personal exploration uh, on Samus's part. Okay. So I'll read, I will read a paragraph that I feel best sums up these two, um, shall we say, competing, uh, competing aesthetics in this story. Okay. All right. So, oh, I, did I mention the, the title? It is called, um, it is called Deep Dread. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Whether the ex-parasite still lived or not, she didn't particularly care. If killing it the last time didn't do it, she would have to take a new approach that was entirely her own. Um, so that's pretty in line with Samus's character, right? That's like yeah. pretty, if you were to mm. write a novelization, that would be all, you know, in her head. Yep, right? yep. Um, then we hard turn left to, uh, to something else. She gripped onto the floor rather hard, shaking her hips more, feeling the Emmy push its hands down to hold her lower hips. She felt her thighs twitch as she took it doggy style. So what we have oh. with this story is a very strange blend of both very straight-laced, very boring-ish sci-fi Samus commentary about the Emmys and her mission with Samus just getting really deeply penetrated by an Emmys like tentacle. It's cool. Seems. I should um, have seen this coming. Absolutely. But here's the thing that I that really drew me to it. You know, I don't like the overly smutty stuff just because it's just boring, right? It it's is all so boring on um, on the internet. Um, I particularly love the tags because I think the tags tell me oftentimes more than really anything else about the headspace. What <laughs> are the, the tags here? So the tags here are um, one of them is quote although pre release so most things shouldn't be seen as canon unquote that's a tag. What? Um, canon compliant is a tag. So okay. Um, to the best of my ability is a tag Classic. which is that, so like yeah oh buddy like come on take some pride in your work and also if that was a tag that people all would like that was common it would be on like half the more than half the fan fiction out there absolutely um the other one that i love is this is a full tag samus is not straight btw but that isn't really part of the fic that's a tag what is that is that supposed to we're supposed to read that and just be sadder when Samus is getting railed by an Emmy? So I guess I guess that tag is to inform us that Samus is canonically not straight, which I don't know if that's true. I don't um, I don't know. But also it's not part of the fic, meaning like, yeah, I guess because the Emmy is a robot, it doesn't really have a defined gender, but like yeah, why are you? It's a why, why are you raising that story before, or why are you raising that issues before the story? Yeah, it seems very strange. So that's what I found. Um, kind of bland and sad, really much like all of Metroid Prime. Uh, or I'm sorry, stop judging <laughs> games you have. That was played. a that was a Freudian <laughs> slip. I meant to say Metroid Dread. Wow. Um, wow. No, Metroid Dread. It's just this story, like Metroid Dread, is just kind of sad and you give your shoulders a shrug and you're like okay i guess that was metroid yeah so um but beyond metroid dread and its disappointment uh what have you been doing with yourself i watched a lot of movies aaron um yeah. well i've been re i've been watching one piece as usual um and yu yu haka show um both are going very well um, movie wise, I'm going to just rattle off a bunch and you can feel free to ask me about any of them. I'm only really going to mention one that I want to, or two that I want to say just a couple more things about. All right, here we go. Okay. 
The French Dispatch, Men in Black 3, Come On, Come On, Belfast, Nightmare Alley, Summer of Soul, The Worst Person in the World, Jackass the Movie, Jackass Number 2, Jackass 3D, Jackass 2.5, Jackass Forever. It's a lot of Jackass. Yeah, I I was in the mood. Uh, Jackass Forever was very funny. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, And The Worst Person in the World was excellent. And one of my favorite movies of 2021. Okay, um, I also watched two films recently. Um, I watch. I also watched Nightmare Alley. Um, we discussed it a little bit. Yeah, I think. I think it's the kind of story that works much better as a novel, which is originally what it was right. You know, conceived <clears throat> of as. I thought it was. I thought it was good. I thought the performances are great. Guillermo del Toro is a great director. I, I had some issues with it though. Um, a movie that I really adored that I saw last night is Spencer. Tell um, me all about it because I, I, it's on my list, but it, I haven't been making it a priority to see it. Should I make it a priority? Make it a priority. I won't go into it too much because we may cover it at some point on the show. Oh, okay. However, I'd never heard of this director. The director is Chilean, and I believe he has a many, many movies under his belt. He but did believe- the Jackie Kennedy movie, right? maybe I think so his American releases are few and far between um so Spencer is his newest American release I was expecting a more straight laced look at Princess Diana her life things like that um this movie is not that um this movie takes place entirely in one weekend in Diana's life oh um and really almost shows none of the royal family um, or shows like very, very little of it. There's a I'm lot already of like, intrigued. What it's a lot of is Diana pre and post encounters with the royal family on this weekend. And the encounters themselves, you don't even see. You just see her anxiety and torment leading up to it. And then her post um, kind of just fall apart um, okay. after these encounters, along with a lot of other things that were going on in her life. But um along with just a very, very surrealist, like smooth improv jazz that plays through okay. most of it. So the, that's the one thing I do know about the movie is that Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead does the score and he is one of the best living composers. He is Paul Thomas Anderson's go-to composer. Um, he's just, he's fantastic. And that, that was really to this point, the main draw for me to watch that movie was to hear his score. So that on top of it gives the entire movie this very dreamlike, you're moving just from one feeling to another um, kind of sense. And also underlines kind of, it's again, it's like this very mellow, smooth jazz, almost like cocktail music. And the, the undertone of it all, also there's like this motif of bells that continue throughout the whole film that I won't kind of go into because it is explained. But there's this motif of like very dry shaking bells. And when it's not that, it's this kind of like bubbly, low key, smooth jazz, like cocktail music. And at least to me, it was almost like her life is this never ending nightmare of a cocktail party that she can't escape from. Is oh, wow. kind of what I got out of it. Wow. And to, and to all the other royals that you encounter, they're like, what? Like, this is fun. Like, can't you just fit in? Like, it's tradition. And to them, their whole life seems to be just this like, kind of fun kind of boring kind of lazy-ish kind of just like cocktail party that everyone's going through that they all fit in with that crowd and she does not 
Interesting. Um, and so I've already talked about Spencer more yeah. than I wanted to, um, but I unqualified recommendation. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm going to put it closer to the top of the list then. Yeah. I mean, as I, like I said, you do see the Royals, like they are in the, the film and you do yeah. see some encounters with them, but a lot of it is just her anxiety building up to what it will be like to have to be around them. And then just afterwards, how she in very destructive, unhealthy ways has to blow off that steam. Mm, okay. Okay. Hmm. So. All right. Unqualified watch, I would say. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Oh, bye. Well, <laughs> go on. Uh, I, we, we, I forgot. I've also been playing video games. Oh yeah. We have been playing video games. So what have you been playing? Uh, Persona four still making my way through that. Uh, and, um, Replaying Dark Souls 2 again because it's just a lovely, lovely game. I actually was thinking about Dark Souls 2 this week and thinking about doing a replay uh, because I've replayed one pretty frequently. <laughs> yeah. And or I, I dip into one just because it's on Switch. And so I, I and recently I finished replaying one for like the 10th time and uh bloodborne again also and i'm just kind of like i need i need dark souls 2 back in my life yeah and two before elden ring i i'd kind of yeah. want to play two just to, to, you know to compare and things like that but i have been playing a lot of pokemon legends arceus uh, yeah because i've heard some things about it tell me what you think about it i think that uh game freak has a ton of money and there is no reason why a game of this ambition should look the way it does that's the main complaint i've heard um however everything else surrounding it is very addicting and the designs are great because it's pokemon and i love pokemon um so it makes me very hopeful um because i think once they once now that they've done this i think they have an idea of how to go forward in the future I really think they should merge with Nintendo or Nintendo should buy them or something because if Breath of the Wild or Monster Hunter Rise can exist, this the, the way this game looks is absolutely inexcusable. Um, but clearly there are people in the industry that have a lot of experience making games like this. I don't understand why you couldn't tap them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what what they're trying to do there. If they're just, they think that like they can they're trying to get away with spending less money. No, it seems more to me that they were trying to do everything in house. Um, mm, and I think okay. part of that meant basically designing, you know, discrete levels in a more open world set. Essentially it's if monster hunter rise specifically and Pokemon had a baby, it would be this. Um, and I think they wanted to design all those areas in house, um, just like Capcom does with Monster Hunter. However, Capcom has had way more experience um, and that just graphically blows them away in every department and has been designing for uh, HD consoles way longer than Game Freak has. Mm. So I think they just bit off more than they could chew. But again, like I said, now that they've gotten this under their belt, I think their next endeavor will be much more polished. Okay. Well, I know you will look forward to that. Here's hoping. And what you all should look forward to is our episode next week, which let's not say what it is, but it's a very, it's a movie. We can't, <laughs> yeah, we can both say that it's a film. It's a film. Much like Metroid Prime, listen, or I'm sorry, I keep saying Prime, much Metroid <laughs> Dread. Listen, no one can deny that Metroid Dread is a video game that released by Nintendo on the console Switch. No one can argue that. No one can argue. That's that. inarguable. Much like the film we're watching next week, 
it was released in theaters in theaters people saw it and people saw it and i I guess the only thing we'll say is that um one it shouldn't have been released in theaters two it shouldn't have been made and i guess three it should have been seen given Um, that it was made i will say four because it exists i think now all humans are compelled to now see it Yes. Um, if only to understand the madness. I would absolutely recommend it because misery loves company. I would unequivocally recommend it if you have access to drugs. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going to say. And with that, Aaron, don't do drugs. Don't do don't, drugs. don't do it. And uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. And um, bye. <laughs>